Welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of High Floor Fantasy. My name is Sam Wagman. I am one of your hosts, and with me, as always, is my trusty companion, Jay Arsh himself. What's going on, buddy? How you doing tonight? What's up? I'm good, man. Happy Tuesday. Uh, you know, it's one of those weeks that feels like it should be a Thursday, but it's a Tuesday. Uh, either way, happy to be here. Uh, happy to talk some dynasty trade targets. And that's kind of the season we're in right now. You know, I know we kind of went back and forth on it, but we are in that part of the offseason, you know, where we're a little bit before redraft. Some people are doing best ball, um, but, you know, it's perfect time for, for the dynasty trades to start cooking. So I'm excited to, to do this with you tonight. Yeah, I mean, you know, dynasty trades are are always good to look at because, like you said, we are still kind of in dynasty season. Rookie drafts are popping. Um, You know, we still have startups going. So, you know, this is a great time for us to go over some of our favorite trade targets at the uh, quarterback and running back positions. And uh, we will, of course, do our pass catchers in next week's episode. That'll be a blast as well. I'm sure we will have a ton to talk about. So uh, I'm happy. I'm ready to get into it. You ready? Let's go. Let's, let's get started. Let's let's do this thing. So um, look, the big thing for me was I wanted to start this off with a bang, and my first person I want to talk about that I want to that I want to trade for in every single dynasty league that I don't have him. You know, he goes as you know, an automatic. This is a guy that, you know, if you have the opportunity to get him, you go get him. But I kind of view him almost as the QB1 overall, and that is Justin Herbert for me. Now, I, I love Justin Herbert. I've been a, I've been a big fan. Uh, I even thought that he might be better than Tua coming out. Now, obviously, it was easy for us to write off Tua since he had the hip injury, and, you know, he was kind of unsure as he came into the league the Dolphins believed they took him at number five leaving the Chargers to take uh, Herbert at six overall but Herbert showed out right away I mean he did incredible his rookie year so he made he made it work and then he had an incredible season in his second year so look now we're going into season three for him he adds another great Offensive line help in Zion Johnson in this year's draft. They looked at wide receiver. Could be an eye to the future for them, you know, as Keenan Allen starts to get up there in age. But I'm I'm all in on Justin Herbert right now. What about you? Yeah, I am. One point that I want to touch on first is, you know, I've been harping for the Chargers for two years now. I mean, a little bit different situation, but uh, you were just saying to add some different receivers. I've wanted them to get Will Fuller for two years now, and I've thought he would just add such a – uh, fun different elements of that offense I mean that they really don't have but uh, that might be more of a, a dream than a reality I don't know if that's going to happen we'll see either way uh, yeah I think you know y- you touched on it and it's an interesting conversation because I mean Justin Herbert goes as a third quarterback and pretty much every you know startup right behind Mahomes and Josh Allen and you know everybody values him highly it's not necessarily a secret but there is nuance to the conversation that I think is interesting because, you know, the difference between maybe a Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and then that kind of next tier, which may be Justin Herbert, maybe, you know, the Kyler Murrays, Joe Burrows, Lamar Jackson, those guys. Uh, there is a difference, you know, when you're trying to trade in Dynasty for those guys who are still expensive versus maybe the Mahomes, Josh Allen tier. So if you're willing to pay the, you know, Mahomes, Josh Allen price for Justin Herbert, there probably is a better chance that you, you know, could get him back at least, uh, you know, if, if you're valuing him that way. So I think that there is more nuance to the conversation than it sounds on the surface where it's like, oh, trade for Justin Herbert, obviously. But <laughs> are you willing to pay the price for Justin Herbert uh, is, is the more interesting part. And it seems like you're willing to essentially overpay for Justin Herbert uh, mm-hmm. compared to consensus. So I think that does make him a target because you're able to get him, you know, for a little bit cheaper than uh, maybe the other guys in maybe the other guys that are in that same tier for you, but might be a tier above for, you know, the person you're trying to trade with. Yeah. And for me, the thing with Herbert, you obviously have to lump in. Well, you you know, the main question to answer is what makes him more valuable than Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. And I'll start with Allen, who is pretty much the consensus uh, QB one at this point. I think we would both agree on that. Uh, His amazing numbers last year, coupled with his rushing ability and the fact that the bills really haven't had a a running back one and performance almost use him as their RB1, especially around the goal line, has meant that 
um, Allen has become the easy choice for the first quarterback off the board in most leagues. But for me, I think that what you can get over him is that the Chargers are in a position where they play in a division where they might actually have to be throwing more than any other than any other team. And this is this is why I almost have Patrick Mahomes and um, Justin Herbert side by side in my rankings. And I'm not really sure what to do about Josh Allen because I don't know if he can keep this this up as long as he wants to. His skill set is not as conducive to long lasting um, uh, out in, or output as Herbert's and Mahomes are because they're playing in divisions that have so much more competition. They're going to be in dogfights back and forth every single time they play division games. You know, between the Chiefs, the Chargers, the new look Broncos, and the new look Raiders, you got dogfights in every team in that division. So using that as a stone stone into my, into my main argument well her throws the ball an absolute ton he was number two in the nfl in pass attempts last season number two in passing yards number three in air yards but the best part he had 23 red zone carries which ranked third in the nfl among in, in the nfl so that's a great upside for him. He should have with with those kind of numbers in the red zone. He should have some positive touchdown regression this up this upcoming season. So I love that for him. Yeah, and I mean I agree with you. I like I like the Herbert call. It was a little you know unconventional at first, but the way that you explained it, I think it makes sense. And like like I said, you know, there's more nuance to it than it seems on the surface. It's you know him going as the QB three already, and you know essentially if you're willing to pay the Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen price for Justin Herbert. Uh, then you should have an easier time acquiring him. So it's always interesting. I mean, I, I just, you know, we talked about it pre-show. We'll probably touch on it again as we're talking about these quarterbacks. I mean, I just made a big trade in one of the leagues we're in with Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes, both included. And, you know, it becomes an interesting discussion uh, when you start to, you know, debate a little bit. How much more, how much more is Patrick Mahomes worth than a Joe Burrow or than a Justin Herbert or something? And, you know, it's going to differ for everybody. Everybody's got their own preference when you become, when you get to those top tier guys, you know, there's not as much that you can be like, Oh, you know, to hang your hat on. It's like, you know, I prefer this guy. I think this guy's better. He's got more long-term stability. So, and you, you touched on all those sort of things. And we might've forgot to say in the beginning too, is, you know, we, we kind of, as we were going through this exercise of looking for some trade targets, uh, I, I kind of went on the deeper side with some of these guys, some of the, some of the quarterbacks, especially uh, that's kind of where I found the ones where I thought were, were interesting to, to get in trades. You, you went a little bit on the higher side. And so we're going to kind of balance it out both ways. Um, you ready for me to go to my first guy or you got any more? Absolutely. Nah, absolutely. I think that point quite well. All right. Well, let me put this crab leg in my mouth. Put this W in my <laughs> mouth. Uh, for Jameis Winston. You're gonna eat a W? And, uh, You're gonna eat a W? Wow, it looks like Craig called that uh, right as I was saying it. One of our listeners said Jameis. I don't know how he got that first. Uh, but Jameis is my first quarterback. And we're we're basing this off of Fantasy Pros ECR, the expert consensus rankings. ADP is not super reliable this time of year for, for dynasty and startups because there's a lot of different things going on. Rookies getting tossed into the draft. All sort of things messing with the ADP. So we're going with the ECR, Expert Consensus Rankings from Fantasy Pros, which uh, we reached out to our, our boy, shout out Derek Brown, to confirm that it is accurate, that he's updating it weekly. Um, so back to my first quarterback, Jameis Winston. So he's going as the, being ranked as the QB 26 right now, uh, which, you know, isn't super far down. I mean, there's 32 teams, 32 starters in the NFL. Uh, but, you know, Jameis just signed a two-year extension, $28 million, $21 million guaranteed. He's a free agent again uh, in 2024, so two years from now. But he goes back to the Saints, and, you know, he's 28 years old, going on 29, which it feels like we kind of skipped some time with Jameis, you know, because he came into the league early on. Uh, you know, it kind of feels like it's gone by fast. I feel like Jameis got to 29 a little fast. But that being said, he only played in seven games last year before tearing his ACL. He scored a high of 29 the first game of the season. But throughout those seven games, he averaged 16 points per game, which if he played that full season and, you know, extrapolate, as we like to say in fantasy, and average 16 points per game, he would have been the QB 14 last year. So borderline QB one right outside that. Um, and when you really start to think about it, I mean, is Jameis that expensive to acquire? I, I don't think so. I mean, Drew Brees was just getting picked up the other day because there was rumors he might come back in Dynasty. Um, but that being said, I mean, 
similar to, you know, what we're going to talk about with a couple of these quarterbacks, but Jameis got some, you know, extra weapons added to his roster. I mean, you got Chris Olave, Jarvis Landry to go along with uh, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara. It's a kind of loaded Saints offense. And Jameis is there for at least the time being for at least two more years. And either he can, you know, maintain there and he can stay in New Orleans with these new weapons. Again, we'll kind of see what happens with Michael Thomas, but good setup. So either he stays in New Orleans or I think Jameis can do enough to, you know, maybe find himself somewhere else after his contract is up only, you know, 28 years old. So some of the guys that are going around him are at least being ranked around Jameis right now. Carson Wentz, Daniel Jones, Desmond Ritter, Malik Willis, Baker. I think it becomes kind of an interesting conversation with some of those guys. I mean, what you start to weigh is upside versus stability, right? And right. I think Jameis has the upside. We we know that he has it. You know, we saw it in Tampa Bay when he had uh, a good receiving core in the past. So stability is in question. But I think the other guys around Jameis, Daniel Jones, Carson Wentz, Desmond Ritter, Baker Mayfield, I mean, none of those guys are necessarily stable either. So I think Jameis is an interesting target. They're going to be a kind of a theme with my three quarterbacks where – you know, they might not be the sexy high-end quarterbacks to get, but in Dynasty, a lot of the time that I find that hurts teams down the line, especially, you know, in Superflex, really only in Superflex, but when you invest in your top two quarterbacks and then you don't really care about having a QB3 is a terrible mentality to have in Superflex because one of those quarterbacks get hurt, gets hurt. It's going to be really hard to find that starter midway through the season. So you want to invest in these guys before you want to try and get a QB3 and Jameis fits that bill. So. My long-winded Jameis explanation. What do you think? I mean, I love it. Uh, and al- also, you have to think about bye weeks in these super flex weeks as well, which makes having a good third quarterback extremely necessary. And Jameis is probably one of the better ones out there. Like, we've seen this guy's upside. He's got 5,000 yard and 30 touchdown upside. We all know it. It may come with 20-plus <laughs> interceptions. But that doesn't matter that much in fantasy football unless you play in leagues that penalize you for interceptions. And, you know, unless we're talking, you know, we're, you know, we're talking Scott Fishbowl sometimes over here where you get penalized for interceptions, but not a ton of leagues are, are known for doing that. So my thing with Jameis is I'm really happy that he landed with the Saints, back with the Saints, because this is a spot where he feels comfortable. You know, obviously the coaching change might – do a little bit, you know, make it a little funky. We're going to see how this Dennis Allen Rand team works for Jameis, you know, in the meantime, but he's overcome this kind of thing before. I want to see what he can do with a full complement of weapons off a full season of getting acclimated to this offense. And like you said, he gets Michael Tomfoy, he'll get Chris Olave, uh, Jarvis Landry is there. Alvin Kamara should have, at this point, I would guess that Alvin Kamara avoids a lengthy suspension. We're going to see what kind of, what kind of number that lands at, but I would guess it's on the lower side at this point. He's going to have a complement of weapons and he's going to have to throw the ball in this division. I mean, this, this, you know, they're going to be going up against a lot of teams that can score looking at their schedule. And I want to see how they do with Jameis in the long run. And I think he could be set up for here for a long time. He yeah. got to learn from Drew, Drew Brees, and he talked about that earlier. I was listening to SiriusXM on the Fantasy Channel earlier, and he was talking about how he learned from Drew Brees, how he learned to be patient. You know, he he learned that some of his mistakes that he made while with the Buccaneers were a, a result of him being extremely impatient to try and get the guy to his preferred guy and not kind of waiting for things to open up down the field a little more. So – I'm really excited to see what Jameis can do. And I, I'm definitely going to have him ranked higher than he is right now. And I think he could probably, he has definite QB one upside this year. It's going to be yeah. really interesting to see where he lands there. Yeah. And like every, you know, player in dynasty that you evaluate, it's, it's, you know, a ratio between risk and stability and upside. I mean, it's kind of, you're kind of balancing those things, the upside and the risk. And like I said, the other guys that Jameis is going around Carson Wentz, Daniel Jones, Desmond Ritter, Baker Mayfield. I mean, I think Jameis has more upside and also might have more stability. So, I mean, not not a lot of stability, but when you're comparing him to the Carson Wentz, Daniel Jones of the world, I don't know that they're much safer. So that's my point mm-hmm. on Jameis. Absolutely. Your next guy? 
Uh, my next guy is going to be Zach Wilson, who's going off the board at QB 18 right now. Now, obviously, Zach Wilson is is the media darling of the season. Uh, you know, we got we all got the reports about a week ago. They had come into rookie minicamp beefed up. You know, maybe he could take some more hits. He's got some more strength. Might not go down as easy. But look, we cannot deny the obvious here. He had a massive upgrade to his offense this offseason. Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson, they got Mekhi Becton to come back. Um, I mean, look, stability is great. So in that, in his second year, we should see a sizable leap from him. And this is a guy who only threw nine touchdowns his his uh, his rookie season. That's that's not great. You know, it's it's right alongside uh, Trevor Lawrence bad, which is not something I ever thought I would say. But look, we saw some we saw some births from Wilson at the end of last season. He had that sick 52-yard rushing touchdown in week 16 last year. And look, I think Elijah Moore is a big breakout factor for this team. Uh, from weeks 8 to 13 last year, he averaged almost six, six catches for 77 yards per week. And the fact that this O-line is better as a whole will allow this entire wide receiver core to have more time to get their routes done and finish. And I don't see a scenario where this team doesn't take a step up offensively. And it could be honestly a giant step. They're going to have more consistency with Brees Hall. Mikai Becton coming back healthy, which means their O-line will finally be healthy for the first time in forever. And it was one of the better rushing, rushing lines last year which will open the lines up for Zach Wilson even more. And the best part, his deep ball should get better. His deep ball accuracy rate last year was 6.7, which ranked fifth in the NFL. So I like the I liking at Zach Wilson as a guy that should that should kind of take that step forward. Maybe we're not saying full full on breakout just yet, but I think he can get up there and really set the stage for his year 3 to be his best one yet because look he needs to step up. Otherwise, this team is is doomed. This is a team that spent the number two overall pick on him. We got to see some fire come out of this guy. And Joe Douglas did everything he could to make this team better around him, adding to the defense, adding to the offense. And I don't see a lot of scenarios where we don't see Wilson improve from that QB 18. You got guys like Tua going around him. Um, and look, here, here's the thing between him and Tua. And it's been a conversation this offseason. Tua is seems limited, you know, athletically to what he can do. We've seen, you know, a cup obviously the video of his deep ball falling short, you know, from the other week is a big thing. <laughs> so we all know Zach Wilson can throw this ball. He looked to have one of the better arms in the 2021 class. So I'm really excited to see what we can see from him this upcoming season. Yeah, I, Zach Wilson's interesting for me. He's definitely, you know, I'm not the biggest Zach Wilson fan. I think we've talked about it on other episodes here too. I don't think he's a bad, you know, trade target given the the things that you said as well, the points that you made. I think the stability, you know, and like I just said, you know, I just talked about Jameis Winston. So, I mean, guys guys range all over the place. But, yeah, Zach Wilson, I, I worry about the stability a little bit, but you, you touched on it. I mean, it's kind of a do-or-die season for him, and they did surround him with weapons. So, I mean – if anything, you know, he, he's getting his, his best shot now. He's going around, yeah, guys like Tua, Mac Jones, uh, Kirk Cousins, you know, Kenny Pickett. Uh, you know, I, I would rather have Zach Wilson than, than the, you know, probably Kenny Pickett's of the world at this point. Um, I have a tough time with him him and Tua and Mac. I think they're in a similar situation. Uh, you look a little forward, you know, Justin Fields is going you know, about four quarterbacks ahead of Zach Wilson. Yeah, he's got the rushing upside. I'm a Justin Fields fan. I know you are too. But the mm. difference between the Zach Wilson and Justin Fields right now is Justin Fields has no one to throw to. And Zach Wilson's yeah. got an abundance of weapons, you know. And actually two things that I really like that the Jets did um, at one position, but interestingly enough, they brought in C.J. Uzama and Tyler Conklin as two veteran tight ends to kind of help him out it looks like tyler conklin is going to be the starter right now based on some of the things that i've seen just early on he seems to be running with zach wilson and the ones but you know it's may so we'll see i think zach wilson is an interesting trade target though and i mean as much as i'm not a big fan of him he has flashed his upside and you know it might not be as he might not be as stable as i feel like maybe mac jones is i think mac jones isn't going to lose his job anytime soon i just 
kind of think he's found a place there. But I don't think Mac Jones' upside is as high as Zach Wilson. And similar to what I just said about Justin Fields, Mac Jones also doesn't have the weapons. So Zach Wilson's interesting because you might find somebody, you know, like me, who I might not roster Zach Wilson in the first place, but you might find somebody who has Zach Wilson who's listening to somebody like me or like other analysts out there that don't love Zach Wilson and might be looking to sell. And he's a guy that you might be able to get for significantly cheaper than where his upside actually is if this whole thing works out for him, you know, with Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore and Brees Hall and all the weapons they put around him. So it's a, you know, I think Zach Wilson is a little bit more of a, uh, you know, high risk, uh, high reward guy. I think there's, you know, a, a wide range of outcomes for him, but I don't mind him as a, as a trade target here. Mm-hmm. Uh, my next guy, not super sexy <laughs> again, but uh, we got Jared Goff on the list, you know, potential friend of the show, Jared Goff. Uh, so we'll <laughs> see. But, uh, That's you know, a secret. Shout out, Jared. Whenever you're That's ready. That's a secret. Uh, <laughs> whenever you're ready. Uh, Jared Goff being ranked as the QB 31 in ECR. He's uh, 27, going on 28. Another guy where I kind of felt like this happened quickly. Felt like Jared was young, you know, a couple minutes ago, and now he's almost 30. That being I think said, we were all he's young a- once. We were all young ones. <laughs> I guess that's true. We all did age at some point. Uh, he's, he's a free agent in 2025. You know, he was with the Rams, which is a drastically different situation than the Lions, clearly. But, you know, he's had two good end-of-season finishes right around QB1. He finished at QB12 in 2017, QB13 in 2019. Again, with the Rams, different situation. But this Lions offense is starting to become a little bit, you know, don't don't look now, but it's fun. You know, they got Jamison Williams. They got DJ Chark. You have Amon Ross St. Brown. You have Hawkinson. You have Swift. It's become a, a fun offense in Detroit, and I don't know, you know, how good they're actually going to be, but I also don't think they're going to be as bad as everybody thinks. You know, DraftKings is projecting them six and a half wins right now, which would put them at eighth overall in the draft if that happens. And something we talked about on our show, I believe it was with Thor maybe, but mixing it up, is so many times people look towards the future a little bit too soon and go, oh, the Lions should, you know, the Lions shouldn't draft a quarterback this year because they're going to be at the top of the draft next year. You know, they'll get the top guy next year doesn't always work out that way. And if the Lions landed at eight next year and you have maybe the Falcons and the Panthers and some of these other teams that really need quarterback that are ahead, they're not going to move back off Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud next year. They're going to pick those quarterbacks. So the Lions might find themselves right outside that range to replace Goff with that elite guy. And I'm not saying Goff is the future in Detroit, but I'm also not sold that he's going anywhere uh, as early as next year. I mean, if the if the Lions really step up and kind of show that they're a competitive team, Jared Goff has you know shown that he can be a competitive quarterback, that he can lead a good team. So if he stays in Detroit, I think they're building a fun offense around him. He's a good guy to have, and if not, I could see Jared Goff turning his career into being a journeyman quarterback, similar to maybe a you know. I hate to throw Kirk Cousins in this mix because I think he's a little bit above journeyman. He's above average, but he's the type of guy that you're not excited about Kirk Cousins, but you don't really, you're not really confused why he has a job. You know, he's good. He performs pretty well. Jared Goff, I could see like that as well. And again, you know, touching on what I touched about with Jameis and about these quarterbacks in general, you know, super flex leagues, you look to get two quarterbacks, right? You got to start two. What are you going to do with the third? Because <laughs> you need to have a third quarterback for bye weeks in case somebody gets hurt. Jared Goff right now is so boring and so cheap that I think you can get him for much cheaper than you think. Uh, you know, send an offer to your Jared Goff manager in your league because he's probably the QB three or QB four on whatever team he's on. And maybe they need a wide receiver. Maybe they're looking for future picks because Jared Goff's their quarterback. Either way, I think Jared Goff's a decent trade target. Talking again about guys he's going around, similar to Jameis's range around Daniel Jones, Desmond Ritter, you know, Davis Mills, Baker Mayfield, all those guys right now. I mean, Jared Goff has a job. Baker Mayfield does not currently, and we don't know if he will or not. Uh, Davis Mills, I mean, I kind of like Davis Mills, so I don't want to, like, trash him here with, you know, bumping up Goff. But is Goff much different than Davis Mills? Probably not. I mean, Davis Mills could lose his job really any day if it doesn't work out great i see you frowning there so you might not agree i like davis mills i'm just saying uh and you know you got daniel you no know i like davis mills a lot too. i like david i like davis mills too but you know you got daniel jones daniel jones is on the hottest of hot seats if you ask me i'm kind of i almost thought the Should giants might seat. address 
I almost thought the Giants might address quarterback this year in the draft. So they didn't. But, yeah, I mean, Desmond Ritter, Malik Willis, exciting. Obviously, you know, untapped upside that we don't really know yet. But they're still trying to earn a job. Jared Goff is secure in Detroit for at least this season if he stays healthy. And uh, we'll see what happens after that. So here's my Jared Goff piece. I think for me, and and the main problem I have with Jared Goff is that if Detroit drafts a quarterback, if they feel the need to draft a quarterback next year, what happens to Jared Goff? Because I truly don't know if he is a starter on another team in this league. And sure, you have your teams like the Giants and, you know, teams like that that might be desperate enough with, with their, with their situations right now, maybe, maybe Washington, if, if Carson Wentz and uh, Sam Howell don't work out um, potentially Tennessee down the line. I don't know if there's a situation where Jared Goff would go in and start. So the whole, go ahead. Let me counter that with, a year ago, would you have said that Marcus Mariota and Mitchell Trubisky could have potentially been starters no, coming but into this season? They're very clearly not long-term options. They're extremely clear bridge options. Yeah, let's let's get into a little debate here. I also don't think Jared will be. I think that I don't think Jared's going to be a long-term option unless he completely you know elevates himself this season. Unless he takes a massive step. I mean, so far what we've seen of Jared Goff, nobody should invest again in like a long-term deal or anything like that. But we're talking about QB 31, you know, potentially the you know, there's 32 teams in the league. So maybe the worst starter <laughs> in the league is is the range that we're in. And I don't think Jared is that bad is what I'm saying. So I think you at least get one year out of him. And then if you get any extra, that's a bonus. But I don't think you'll have to pay the long-term quarterback starter money in Dynasty for Jared Goff. I guess that is my point. The, I, I, you know, I want to throw something funny in here. It wasn't that long ago that we were that we were lauding Carson Wentz and Jared Goff as guys who would be entrenched fantasy and franchise starters for like the rest of their careers. And now it's like two or three years later, and us. both of them are viewed as journeyman. Thought? Journeyman backups at the best, you know, at this point in this career. Who, who, who would have thought? I, I never I, I I never thought that. I never Not thought me. they were good. I, I didn't call Carson Wentz a top three quarterback. I wouldn't have thought that. I threw away my Carson Wentz jersey, so hands. Oh, oh, I, I wasn't I wasn't that disrespectful to my my quarterback who helped us win a hey, Super Bowl, but no disrespect to Carson. You know I'm the first to defend Carson. Anytime. I, I love I love me some Carson Wentz. I know, but but talk about a guy who needs to elevate his game this year, and that leads me into my third guy, and that is one Jalen Hurts of the Philadelphia Eagles, because like, is it can can we is there a quarterback? whose uh, dynasty ranking is in as much flux as Jalen Hurts's is, is this year. Daily. I mean, depending, depending <laughs> on, depending on what he does, like he could be as high as the QB four or five, or he could be down in the twenties next year based on what he does this season. So if Jalen Hurts got a contract extension. He's, he'd be a top five dynasty quarterback. Easily. So that leads me into my reasoning why you should be trading for Jalen Hurts in Dynasty. So the point for me is that, look, the Eagles, much like the Jets, did everything they could to upgrade to a point where they felt comfortable handing Jalen Hurts the reins for 2022 and beyond. They handed him all the tools. The only thing now is left that is left is for Jalen to do the work himself and have a stellar season which would make the Eagles want to invest in him. Uh, after this season, he is eligible for a contract extension. If he performs, it'll be a big one. This will mean the Eagles are tying, you know, 25, 30% of their cap into AJ Brown and Jalen Hurts. That's a big Brotherly thing love. for this team. That's a that's a big thing for this team. These are two guys that are best friends. It makes sense that they would want to stay together. Makes sense that the Eagles know they would want to stay together. So for me, I'm betting on the fact that Jalen Hurts has a massive year in a contract, in a so-called contract year for him, as he works to prove that he is not going to be one of the QBs that was once talked about as a star 
and fell out, fell into obscurity. So he, here's the thing. They didn't add a running back in this draft. We all thought they would. They added Kennedy Brooks as a UDFA option. But here's the thing. They didn't add a significant running back like a lot of us thought they would. They kept their running back core that they had. Jalen Hurts added almost 50% of his fantasy points last year through the rushing game. He had 10 touchdowns and almost 800 yards. This is a guy who can completely change your fantasy lineup on a week to week basis. But here's the but the problem for dynasty is he's not viewed as a dynasty option because of the uncertainty around him. So for me, a big part of Jalen Hurts this year is proving that he can upgrade through the passing game. And the addition of AJ Brown, like we said, one of his best friends should lead to jumps in efficiency and overall pass numbers as well. You know, AJ Brown is a yak god. This is a guy who could drastically up Jalen Hurts' touchdowns. He only had 16 passing touchdowns that year or last year. He could jump that up to 25 this year with the addition of A.J. Brown. Add A.J. Brown to Devon Smith and Dallas Cutter and Quez Watkins. You have a very good offense here. And the fact that this is still the number one ranked rushing attack in the NFL means that you can use that threat and, and run that play action all day long. So I am so high on Jalen Hurts this year. I want to see him succeed so badly, and I really think all the pieces are in place. It's just got to be in the mindset, and I think his mindset is there. He's set. He's ready to go. He's going to turn in a top three fantasy season, and he's going to get the Eagles into the playoffs again. Yeah, and I'm going to try and be unbiased with my opinion, but it's going to be we tough because be. you know I love Jalen Hurts and you love Jalen Hurts, and we all love Jalen Hurts as he should be loved. And, you know, he's an interesting trade target because, you know, he's somebody where if you were to, you know, start offering trades for Jalen Hurts, you know, two, three months ago, you know, maybe maybe when the Eagles are bringing in Matt Corral for a visit or, you know, <laughs> an ex-quarterback for a visit or, you know, any of those things. Uh you know, Jalen Hurts is somebody that will always be evaluated and reevaluated, which seem it almost seems like every single day. You know, it's it's is Jalen Hurts the franchise quarterback? Is Jalen Hurts, you know, replaceable? Blah, blah, blah. You could say all the things you want about Jalen Hurts. It's been talked about. Everybody can't keep Jalen Hurts out of their mouth. And it's interesting, you know, especially for Dynasty, because he does lack the stability right now. And the Eagles, you know, flirting with every quarterback in existence, you know, doesn't doesn't always help that. That being said, you know, I think the A.J. Brown investment and how quickly they were able to do that and how confident they were in doing that, I think does speak to Jalen. And, you know, it's not that A.J. Brown is, you know, the Eagles didn't know A.J. Brown's a top-level guy. You know, clearly A.J. Brown's done enough on his own to warrant getting a contract extension, to warrant, you know, being traded for what he's traded for, all those things. But he is really good friends with Jalen Hurts, and that's been, you know, publicized all over. And it's not necessarily, uh, you know, wise to bring in your quarterbacks, you know, great friend, sign him to a contract extension, and then you move on from Jalen Hurts right after that. So we'll see what happens. Again, Jalen Hurts, something that people forget, Jalen Hurts has gotten better every single year. Whether that has been reaching, you know, the ceiling or these top quarterbacks as a passer, no. But he's improved every single year. Now he's going to get another offseason. This is probably the least noisy offseason for Jalen Hurts, where for the first time in the NFL he gets an offseason where he at least knows he's the guy. He knows what he's got around him, which is, you know, better than he's had. And, you know, it can only really go – I don't want to say it can only go up because it can go down <laughs> if they move on from Jalen Hurts. But let's speak dynasty, okay? So let me go unbiased here from, from Eagles takes. Is different than Jared Goff, who you just talked about, and you said, you know, you're, you're skeptical. If, if he didn't work out in Detroit, then he'll get another opportunity. I'm not skeptical about that with Jalen Hurts. If the Eagles choose unwisely to move on from Jalen Hurts, he will be playing somewhere else for sure. And I'm and starting. I'm and confident starting. saying that. Jalen Hurts is the full package in terms of the person and the image that comes to your team as well as what he does on the field. And the NFL knows that. I mean, Jalen Hurts is a stand-up dude. He will get a job somewhere else, and he is good enough with his legs. He's 
you know, better than he gets credit for with his arms. Jalen Rager couldn't get off the line of scrimmage, man. I mean, it's tough to tough to play quarterback when you have a, a wide receiver that really can't do anything for you. So the upgrade of A.J. Brown to have Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins, Dallas Goddard, the running backs, you know, who I'll, I'm going to touch on a little bit. I, I think it's really valuable for Jalen. I think he is a good trade target because it's going as QB 12. I do feel confident that if Jalen Hurts got a contract extension tomorrow for, you know, four years, X million dollars, whatever it is, Jalen Hurts catapults into that top five discussion of dynasty quarterbacks because we know what he can do at least fantasy points wise. If you're skeptical of him as a passer, you know he can score fantasy points. So I think it's an interesting discussion. The guys that are going in front of Jalen, you know, the mainstays, the Josh Allens, the Patrick Mahomes, Herbert, Lamar, Burrow, Kyler. But some of the other guys, you know, Trevor Lawrence, what does Trevor Lawrence have over Justin Herbert? He has stability. He has that his franchise invested in him as a, the first overall pick. What he's shown us on the field, like, that's not com- comparable to what Jalen has. That's stability, yeah. Lies. So Trevor Lawrence will have to take a step. I think he will, so I'm not, you know, going to trash Trevor Lawrence on here. I think he's going to be just fine. But, you know, all that he has over Jalen Hurts right now is the stability at the position, the investment that his team made. So, you know, I am uh, I'm excited, you know, about Jalen Hurts going forward. I, I tried to keep it unbiased. I know I didn't. I know I talked like I'm an Eagles fan who loves Jalen. That being said, I think that, you know, he's got so much to go. So much can go up from here. So trade for Jalen Hurts now before he's, you know, in that top five range. I mean, I can see that Derek's ears were burning as well as he sensed that we were talking about <laughs> Jalen Hurts as well. Look, none of us can stay unbiased about Jalen Hurts. The fact remains that if you are a contending dynasty team right now, this season, and you have an opportunity to go out and get Jalen Hurts, no matter what you think happens next year, I implore you to go out and get him because Jalen Hurts is probably – going to be drafted as the redraft QB seven, eight or nine, possibly even lower. If your teammates don't believe in him, he's going to finish as a top five quarterback. He could finish as the QB overall season. There are realistic outcomes. You never know with these rushing quarterbacks. We saw it with Lamar Jackson when he won the MVP. This is a kind of guy who can do the exact same thing. He's got the same crazy athletic ability with his legs to go out there and get it done on the ground. Uh, th- look, there is nothing that's going to keep me from taking Jalen Hurts uh, in my redraft leagues. And if I'm a contender in Dynasty, trust me, I'm already out there looking to trade for him. And let's move to the last quarterback here, who's you know another Russian quarterback, uh, funny enough. So my last guy here is Tyler Huntley. Uh, you know, we saw the flashes this year. We hadn't really gotten to see him before. You know, the quarterback from Utah backing up Lamar Jackson came in and, you know, little, little lit a little bit of a fire this year. Uh, ECR on Fantasy Pros right now is QB 44, which is fair. You know, he's a backup. He's backing up Lamar Jackson right now. But he played, you know, in five games this year when Lamar was out. Uh, he had over 40 rushing yards in every game, plus 70 rushing yards twice, which, you know, us fantasy people love, and two rushing touchdowns. But just let that soak in. I mean, that's over 40 rushing yards every game he played, uh, which is, you know, again, good for us fantasy people, good for a safe fantasy floor. Uh, you know, that's 16 points per game in the five games. He will be a restricted free agent again next year. We'll see what Baltimore does. But, you know, I love Lamar Jackson. Um, I'm not really worried about Lamar Jackson's stability, but, you know, the way he plays, you, you never know. You never know if he's going to go out for a little bit. Tyler Huntley not only came in and, you know, played well, he showed good chemistry with the guys out there. You know, Mark Andrews had a – Huge boost when Tyler Huntley was playing. Uh, so he's, you know, another trade target for me that's a little bit further back. And I'm trying to speed through it a little bit because we've got some running backs to go over too. But some of the guys around Huntley, you know, ranked around him at least, are Taysom Hill, Gardner Minshew, Kyle Trask, Taylor Heineke, Sam Howell, Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, all those guys are an injury away from playing, every single one of them. And I think Huntley's got the most – upside actually of of any of those guys that I just named when he actually gets on the field you know his average per game in those five games was boosted I'm not gonna you know I'll be transparent here by a 35 point game against Green Bay in week 15 so that was a big boom game for him but even the fact that he can have that sort of game you know I'm at we haven't even seen Kyle Trask play Gardner Minshew Taysom Hill you know all these guys are questionable I think you can get Huntley for pretty cheap amount uh and you know the upside could be 
huge if Lamar misses any time or, you know, if you wait a year, stash him and he finds a, a job somewhere else. Uh, I think that he's an interesting trade target. And like we talked about a little bit, you know, I, I went a little deeper with some of these quarterbacks to find some, some, I guess, gems or almost like QB3, QB4 types. So uh, Huntley fits that where, you know, he's, he's a backup now, but he's a, you know, injury away from, you know, competing, I think, to be in that QB1 range based on what he can do with his legs. Yeah. Absolutely. I view him as almost like a mini, mini Lamar Jackson for the way that we saw him play out there. So I, I really enjoyed that. But let's, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's hop over into uh, our, the second part of this show, into our running backs. And uh, we each prepared a few running backs as well. So uh, I'll go ahead and start it off with my favorite trade target for running back right now. That's my man, A.J. Dillon. So look. We all know what's happening in Green Bay right now. Uh, Aaron Jones is obviously back. But the thing with Aaron Jones is they the, the Packers have an out for him after this season. Um, he doesn't have a huge dead cap hit. And they have to pay him an $8.1 million base salary on the, first le- on the first day of the next league year. So we could be seeing A.J. Dillon be the RB1 for this team in 2023 you know you obviously know that as long as age aaron jones is in green bay he's the guy i've said it on many podcasts you know so far this spring i could see aaron jones getting a thousand a thousand this year like he he's probably the best wide receiver on the packers you know that's that's not a huge stretch to say that but this team showed that of A.J. Dillon as a rusher last year. They put him as the primary guy in the running game. He was the goal line back for a good amount of it in the second half of the season. And the best part about it is he had over a thousand scrimmage yards. Like he he could this kid can ball. He had 1116 scrimmage yards last year. He caught 92% of his targets and he had multiple games with two plus receptions. He had four games with four or more receptions. So the the thing with him is he may not be a guy that wins you your league this year, but he is a hundred percent going to be a guy that you want on your team in 2023 and beyond. He's only 24. He's under, he's under uh, his rookie contract for another couple seasons. You know, he's a guy that is a solid floor option and can give you ceiling options starting next season. So I'm, I'm really high on what A.J. Dillon can show you there. Um, again, like I said, Aaron Jones presents an obstacle this season, but we've seen Aaron Jones also have some soft tissue issues uh, in the past. Uh, those massive quads. I would say A.J. Dillon's capable of getting injured at this point. So the guy has a possible 15-touch-per-game workload this season. That thing skyrocket 25 touches a game in 2023 if everything breaks his way. Yeah, uh, fun fun fact about A.J. Dillon actually is, you know, he has me blocked on Instagram. Uh, for Why is that? Hold on. Hold on. Why is that? I had a page, you know, a couple of years ago, we used to do, uh, you know, shout out Austin, my buddy, if he's watching, uh, we used to do some, you know, college football content, some fantasy content together. And uh, we didn't have AJ Dillon in our top 10 running backs coming into the draft. So uh, he blocked us, which, uh, you know, couldn't even, uh, couldn't even apologize. Let, let him make his case why he should be in my top 10. He blocked me before we had the chance. Uh, that being AJ, said, if you're listening unblock day. <laughs> Yeah, AJ, we know you're listening, man, so uh, just unblock me. Um, I see that one person. That being said, you know, you, you, you talked about Aaron Jones. You know, clearly that is the uh, roadblock for AJ Dillon, but he, you know, was pretty productive last year, even with Aaron Jones there. And in Dynasty, you know, if you're not thinking a year ahead, if you're not thinking in the future, what are you doing, man? Like, what are you doing playing Dynasty? You've got to be trying to get guys like this that, yeah, it might not happen now but it could really pop next year and you're able to get them a little bit cheaper now. So where's he going? You said RB 23. So yeah, it's around, you know, Elijah Mitchell, Fournette, James Connor, Miles Sanders, CEH, you know, those are the type of guys he's going around. And I think that, you know, what Green Bay did this off season, not really adding the wide receivers to replace Devontae Adams. You know, they add Christian Watson, they add Sammy Watkins, I think Aaron Jones is in for a huge year, too. I think in the passing game, especially, 
I think he, I think he's just gonna have a big big season. I think he's top five guy going into this year. But AJ Dillon's a guy of the future, it seems like. And you know, it's I hate to make the comparison because it's lazy with him and Derrick Henry because yes, they're both big, and <laughs> that's kind of where it ends. But you know. You had to wait a little bit for Derrick Henry. You, you waited a couple of years, and then he hit. And, I mean, he's, he's just been a, a force since then, the past four or five years or so. So we waited a little bit for A.J. Dillon, and really not that long. I mean, he, he was productive this last year. He was definitely usable in fantasy. So I like A.J. Dillon as a trade target. Uh, probably not as much as, as some. You know, I, I've seen him get traded for definitely more than I would. But, uh, you know, for the right price, I think A.J. Dillon's a good trade target. A good guy to go after, especially for somebody who might be thinking more of a, a win now. You know, you find a team like that, you might have A.J. Dillon, and you give him something that can help him now because A.J. Dillon might be more of a help in the future. So I like that call. Uh, my next one is also similar to that, somebody who might not help you as much this year but can next year. Uh, it's Khalil Herbert, and I'm hoping he can next year because, you know, I wasn't expecting him to help me out in fantasy this past year, and he did. You know, David Montgomery got hurt, and Khalil Herbert was used – uh, completely differently than I think we would have initially expected. He's going, I hate to say going because I think we're doing ADP, but we're doing Fantasy Pros ECR. He is being ranked right now as the RB45, uh, so pretty deep. You know, doesn't sound too great. I got the RB45 on my team, but he just turned 24 years old. He'll be a free agent in 2025, and the caveat with that is David Montgomery will be a free agent next offseason. I don't think David Montgomery is going to get a contract extension close to what he's going to want, I guess is the right way to say it. I don't think David Montgomery is going to be paid long-term by the Bears, especially with the way the Bears have built this roster. Uh, I think they've made it kind of clear they're looking towards the future and putting you know some players around Justin Fields, maybe a little bit in the future, even further than this year, because they didn't really have much talent around him. I can't see them investing in a running back uh, to a, a big number to what David Montgomery is going to want, which – Leaves Khalil Herbert, you know, unless they replace him as well. But this year when David Montgomery was out, you know, he had a four-game stretch where Khalil Herbert kind of got the whole workload. He got 18 carries, 19 carries, 18 carries, and 23 carries, which is kind of a rarity in today's NFL, you know. To have a guy who actually gets, you know, the, the my lighting's getting all messed up. To have a guy who actually gets, you know, the 15-plus, 20-plus carries is significant because then you're pretty much, you know, you're expecting him to have a pretty good per carry uh, statistic, and then you're just hoping for him to roll into the end zone. And if you're getting enough carries, you're, th you're hoping that that happens. So he averaged 13 points per game in that four-game stretch. And if they move on from David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert could find himself in a fruitful situation, at least volume-wise. So I like him. Like I said, just turned 24, so he's kind of in that sweet range where we might have a you know two, three-year window of him hitting. So I am – more uh, hopeful that, you know, what Chicago did when they actually were able to use him in a full workload when, you know, David Montgomery was out, they did. And, you know, that doesn't happen all the time with the backup or, you know, the blinking out Khalil Herbert went in like the fifth or sixth round. So, I mean, for the Bears to use him to, to that extent was uh, inspiring. I mean, what did Robbie have here? Hope they use um, Herbert. Yeah. To... Yes, I agree. I hope Herbert gets used to the way he deserves. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a Herbert fan. You know, uh, look, he looked like he was ready to be that kind of guy who could handle like a volume workload out of the backfield. Um, you know, he doesn't offer a ton in the passing game, but he has suitable hands, and he he looked like he really was getting up there in his in his carries. Um, it probably played a decent part in their comfortability in releasing Tariq Cohen. Uh, obviously, prep to Tariq Cohen who suffered a uh, another torn Achilles today it's all awful news but um look Khalil Herbert has the spot and uh there there have been rumors that Chicago is not you know really considering extending Montgomery at this point I wouldn't blame them he's been okay as a lead back for them but he's he there's definitely been something left to be desired on the field from Montgomery since he was drafted um, in the third round a couple seasons ago, and I believe it was 2019. So, you know, with that coming up, uh, the Bears could let Khalil Herbert maybe take this early down role and draft a pass-catching specialist 
in, sure. in next year's draft to go along with them. We've said all along that the Bears are building for 2023 and beyond. It, it would be shocking to see them draft a running back before they're ready to compete, but that could be next year or the year after, depending on how they do this year. They want to surround Justin Fields with weapons to succeed and giving him a you know, a potential check down option is definitely a big part of that. So hopefully yeah. I don't disagree with that. And I think they could add somebody else. Um, and let me say just a caveat to kind of these two running backs that I'm going to talk about Khalil Herbert included is, you know, these aren't guys that, you know, you're going out and buying and expecting to slot into your lineup right away. They're, you know, they're guys that you're going to have to invest in and hope for the best hopes and things to roll. Right. But Khalil Herbert, and then my next guy who I'll talk about, but, the idea with them, especially in dynasty trades is, and I've done a few this off season with both the guys I'm going to say, and Khalil Herbert, you know, one of them, if you make an, if you make a bigger trade and you're making a trade with a guy who has Khalil Herbert and, you know, maybe you guys are negotiating back and forth and you're, you know, you had Khalil Herbert all out of third round pick, or you had Khalil Herbert all out of second, you had, you know, those guys, Khalil Herbert's are guys you can get as add-ins in a lot of trades and the other person who you're trading with, that other manager might not see it that way, might think, okay, fine, I'll add Khalil Herbert to get this thing done. And you on the other side are like, great, now I've got some more depth at running back. And I have a guy who, you know, might be an RB uh, injury away from, you know, being a startable asset for me. So that's that's kind of the idea. Who's your next guy? Yeah. Uh, my next guy is going to be Isaiah Spiller. And, well, I came under I, – I took a little bit of heat. Uh, in my immediate thoughts when the Chargers drafted Isaiah Spiller. And uh, I wasn't really sure what to think at first. Uh, I was luckily turned around by people I trust, including you and a couple others, uh, on what Isaiah Spiller actually means for Austin Eckler's workload. And the truth of the matter is, he's there to complement Austin Eckler. And he's a really, really good complement for Eckler. So, you know, with Spiller, this is a guy who's only 20 years old. He's three and a half years younger than Najee Harris. Like that, that's huge for a running back. He gets I love the, the Najee Harris age stats. They're the best. They they true <laughs> they truly are. They're almost as good as the Velas Jones age stats. You know, Velas <laughs> Jones is applying for his AARP card in a couple of years. <laughs> but back to back to Isaiah Spiller. Uh he's the perfect guy to compliment Austin Eckler. Eckler has been saying for a long time, and, and as a vocal fantasy football guy himself, that we heard it right from his mouth. So, you know, with, with Spiller, this is a guy who comes in and is extremely pro-ready. He was regarded as one of the most pro-ready running backs in this year's draft. And it wasn't a very strong class outside of Brees Hall. But Spiller comes in as a guy who won't wow you athletically that much. I caught that. <laughs> Spiller comes in as a guy that won't wow you athletically that much, but he's he's the guy that's going to be able to perform as almost like a power back in the immediate. So he might spell Eckler at the goal line. Uh, he's going to take some targets away. He'll help him on as a change of pace guy on third down. You know, so we could see Spiller get you know 125, 130 touches this year. And here's the thing: in the future. Eckler has almost no guaranteed money when he or Eckler has almost no guaranteed money for 2023. The Chargers could be looking to to move on after this season. I know it seems hard to believe, but you know this is the way football works. When teams view you know draft the guy next in line and the guy's money run, runs out, they tend to look for trades or ways to move on from that player while still recouping some value. So. You know, he was viewed as a pro-ready back. He's not very athletic, which is going to definitely take a little bit away from him. But he'll be ready to spell Eckler as he goes. He's decent in pass protection. And we could definitely see Spiller down the line as the starting running back for the Chargers as soon as 2023 in the best-case scenario, but more likely something like 2024. Yes, but I mean, you know, I'm with you on this and I'll, I'll get to that. But Spiller was already trying to get a little extra touches today on Twitter. I saw, you know, PFF tweeted something, you know, their typical ones of like, is Justin Herbert a top three quarterback? And Isaiah Spiller quote tweeted it and said, like, yes, he is or something like that. And you know, immediately he's trying it's to get a QB one. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's the best. He's the best ever. Uh, I want the ball. Um, 
I'm, I'm with you on Isaiah Spiller. You know, you, you called me. We were talking right after that on day three of the draft, of kind of how it's going to impact Deckler, uh, what his impact is going to be. And, you know, it's it's a common narrative to talk about. So, I mean, I'm not, you know, breaking any rocket science here talking about it. But, you know, the Chargers have been trying to find that piece, the what we're hoping Isaiah Spiller can be, the compliment to Austin Eckler. You know, it's Justin Jackson, it's Josh Kelly, it was Larry Roundtree. And, you know, I think the difference with that a little bit is we were already a little excited about Isaiah Spiller before the landing spot, whereas I feel like Josh Kelly, Larry Roundtree, it was more the landing spot that actually made them the exciting prospects rather than where Spiller it was like, we're all waiting on the edge of our seats to be like, who's going to take Isaiah Spiller? Why is Isaiah Spiller still on the board? You know, Daniel Jeremiah's list as the days went on in the draft was Spiller still at the top of the list, you know, like who's going to take him. And so it was almost that it was a combination of a great value pick by the chargers and a great landing spot for Isaiah Spiller, where he lands somewhere that's actually looking for that compliment. So I also, like you mentioned, I mean, I think I don't want to say this wrong. He's at least one of them. He's one of, if not the youngest running back that came out this year. And so, and he was also dealing with some a groin injury throughout all the, you know, workout stuff this off season throughout yeah, the spring. Yeah, he didn't test. Yeah. He didn't I mean, test well, well. <clears throat> he didn't test originally and then he didn't test well, like you said. And so it was a combination of both, but apparently he was dealing with an injury. So maybe give him the benefit of the doubt. And at some point, man, we all say all year, we don't care. The combine's not going to do anything. All the testing, you know, it's overrated. And then they test and everybody loses their fucking minds. So it always goes that way every year. But I'm excited about Isaiah Spiller. You know, I picked him uh, in the early half of the second round of rookie drafts because when it gets to those running backs, I think he is one of the more appealing options there where he's got, you know, standalone value. And I think really different than – Rashad White is, you know, someone who you're going to actually talk about in a little bit, but similar to him where they're an injury away from maybe being, you know, an RB1 or somebody that, you know, similar to, you know, I would say Isaiah Spiller, a more talented and, you know, a little bit more touted player than Khalil Herbert, but kind of a similar role to a better offense where if Austin Eckler went down, I could see Isaiah Spiller getting, you know, 15 plus carries a game, which is, you know, a very nice place to be in the Chargers offense. So a lot better than it is in the Bears offense. Uh, so I, I like the Isaiah Spiller call there. And, you know, it might be tough to sometimes trade for rookies, but, you know, feed them a little information. Be like, oh, do you know you ran a 4-6? And, you know, <laughs> Austin Eckler's there. I don't know. <laughs> you know, feed, feed them a little bit. But uh, I like the Isaiah Spiller call. Let's dive into your uh, last guy here before we dive. And my into next the one will try and uh, you know not gush too much, try and not become biased again. But it's Kenneth Gainwell, which I think is you know another interesting one where uh, I'll, I'll touch on first that I think the downside was they brought back Boston Scott, which you know the Eagles brought back Boston Scott. A lot of people were, kind of thought Boston Scott was going to move on. You know he's a professional gamer too. I mean so the guy's got a couple streams of income these days, but. <laughs> They, it's true, man. It's true. Uh, they brought back Kenneth Gainwell, or they brought back Boston Scott, which you know might you know hurt the upside of Kenneth Gainwell, might hurt his role uh, in the Eagles' offense potentially. But what we saw at the end of last season was a total you know committee of running backs. You know, it was Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott, Jordan Howard mixing in. Uh, you know, Kenneth Gainwell, another one you know similar to what you said about Zach Wilson, came into camp this year apparently put on some weight, looks a little thick, looks like he got a little bit bigger. And I think the Eagles moved, uh, used Kenneth Walker a little bit more than people originally thought they would uh, based on where he was drafted and based on kind of the other guys in the room. You just scowled that, so you might have some different thoughts. But, uh, you know, he's still being ranked as RB46, which I think is fair. But, again, you know, he's a running back injury away, a couple injuries away, who knows, um, from really stepping into a – a sweet role there. <laughs> Did I say Kenneth Walker? I got Kenneth Walker on my mind after you dissed him and said that there was only one good running back in oh, this class. Oh, you caught that. Oh, you caught that, huh? Uh, I did catch that. But, uh, you know, Kenneth, Kenneth Gainwell is going into his second year. He uh, just turned 23, and Miles Sanders is a free agent after this year. So we'll see kind of the direction the Eagles go. But, you know, the comp when the Eagles drafted Kenny Gainwell with Nick Sirianni coming out from Indianapolis was, oh, maybe Kenny Gainwell can be more of the, uh, you know, Naeem Hines type role. And I think he can be that, but I think he can get a little bit more. The Eagles used him a little bit more than that. 
Um, you know, he had 12 carries twice, 13 once. He had some boom weeks where he had 20 points, 19 points, 13 points, which is, you know, good for an RB in the 40 to 50 range. Uh, and here we go. Robbie in the comments saying Nick Sirianni hates Gainwell. I don't think so. I hope not. Um, you know, he had four games with five plus targets, two with eight plus targets. I mean, getting eight targets, you know, in, as a rookie in Kenneth Gainwell's role uh, is, you know, pretty nice to see. Finished with 33 receptions his rookie season, which, again, pretty good for a guy in his role. He really wasn't, you know, put into a starting role. He wasn't on the field as much as we would have liked to see. So, and Miles Sanders has become a liability in, in the passing game, which I think we've all noticed over the past couple of years. I mean, whenever they need to depend on Miles Sanders to, to make a play in the passing game, he he is not as of late. So I think the Kenny, Kenneth Gainwell role can get a little bit bigger. And I mean, injury away, but he's also got his own standalone value. So he's another guy where, you know, you add him into a trade for, you know, a, a pick in the future or something like that. And you know, I, I think you can get him as, as a piece instead of being the focal point of any trade. Don't go out there, you know, selling your soul for Kenneth Gainwell. But you can get him as a piece. I think that, you know, you come out as a, as a winner more times than not, uh, considering he's just an add-on. Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, what I think about Kenneth Gainwell is I'm wondering what the Eagles do at the running back position. Miles Sanders is set to be a free agent uh, very soon. Um, there's been whispers that they don't plan to extend him. Um, we could see him moved at the trade deadline. That could be very interesting for Kenneth Gainwell, but it also could open up a window into how the Eagles see this running back room. Look, we all know that the Eagles know that they were the number one rushing attack last year in the NFL. But what we don't know is how they plan to keep that kind of going. And the fact that they minimized Miles Sanders' role through the last couple of seasons – uh, could definitely mean that they plan to move on from him. Uh, we could see what happens in next year's draft. Uh, I definitely think the Eagles do draft a running back next year. So I I'm very interested to see what they do with Kenneth Gainwell. I really like Gainwell as the type of guy who can split out into the slot as well, kind of run run some of those wheel routes as well out of the backfield. Like He's a guy who is a very good receiver when he was at Memphis. So uh, I'm definitely intrigued to see what he can do this year. Uh, I really hope that he gets into that kind of Naheem Hines scat back role. So yeah. I'm, I'm really interested to see that. I mean, the dude's 5'9", 200 pounds soaking wet. Right. So, I mean, he's not going to get any sort of workhorse role. I think you're probably right. The Eagles will continue to add guys around him. But I view it more as a, you know, and. I don't want to say James White, you know, because James White's kind of like the ceiling of what you hope a Kenneth Gainwell could be, but a similar role like that, you know, where there's always going to be other guys, but he might be a spot start guy that you can play and hope, you know, okay, maybe he'll get, you know, five, six targets today and that, right. you know, will do it for fantasy. So I can only expect, I can only think that Robbie is trying to talk about uh, Brian Robinson here. I do not want to talk about anybody that hurts my boy Gibson. So, uh, we can, we can we can talk about him in an episode never so because that that's painful to me and i do not like pain clearly you do so but i am going to move on to our last guy here and that is of course Rashad White so you know he landed in a great spot in Tampa now i know Leonard Fournette just got signed to a 3 year 21 million dollar deal what I also know is that this is Leonard Fournette we're talking about. He's a guy who is, you know, a pretty good thumper on the ground. You know, he's 230 pounds. He's a big guy. But he's but while he while he gives you the ability, he's got sure hands and he might catch 60 to 70 balls, he doesn't wow you in the passing game. Like he's not doing a ton after contact. Like he's not one of those guys that's going to break loose down the sideline and take it 70 yards for a touchdown. You know, he's the guy who's going to pick up and move the chains as you need for him. So, you know, he'll look solid for a time, but I think this the the I think the Buccaneers drafted Rashad White because they want a very capable pass catcher out of the backfield. And that's exactly what Rashad White was. This is a guy who was hyper-productive at Arizona State. He had three seasons of over 1,000 yards from scrimmage every single year. So, And a lot of those came in the passing game. So 
he's a guy that gives you a lot through the air. Um, he's got a chip on his shoulder. We saw someone in the fantasy community um, get a tweet taken out of context by Rashad White. Rashad White DM'd them saying, you know, don't compare me to Ronald Jones. And, I, you know, I'm on my, I'm, I'm on my game. You know, I, I want to ball. I love to ball. You know, I'm going to be the starting running back. He wants to start. He has said that he wants to be the RB1. He's hyped to play with Brady. I would be hyped to play with Brady. I can't blame him. So, you know, he wants to be the RB1 in this offense. And I see a very feasible, you know, path to him being the RB1 as soon as 2023. So, you know, he's got an extremely good three down skill set. And he's a path, you know, he'll be a passing down specialist in year one. But since Fournette is 27, his, you know, uh, White's role can only grow. And as long as Brady is there, sky's the limit for me. So I'm happy for him. Yeah, I think I think it's a good target as well. Uh, similar to you know the Isaiah Spiller conversation we were having, you know, it's an injury away, injury away from you know being a potential RB one, you know, down the stretch when it matters. And those are the kind of situations you have to pay attention to, you know, that don't look sexy on the surface. Like, yeah, he's behind Leonard Fournette. Yeah, Giovanni Bernard's there. I mean, Keyshawn Vaughn, I guess <laughs> we mentioned him, but uh, you know those are the kind of situations that are a low key that you try and buy into. It might be tough, you know, depending on where somebody invested with White in the in their rookie drafts, but you know you can come in and again swing in with maybe a, a win now team, somebody who's looking for some sort of other assets, and you know Rashad White could really become a come valuable the end of the season if Leonard Fournette uh, gets hurt, even if Fournette's there. I mean, if Fournette's playing and Rashad White's really, you know, involved as a passing down back, the way that you said, it's, it's a totally different element. And I mean, Brady's made plenty of backs valuable in, in that facet in terms of being a passing down guy and just kind of, you know, targeting his running backs enough. They're going to be scoring a ton of points, you know, as long as Brady's out there. So there could be some touchdowns to go around. I am in on that one as well. I think that's a good pick. Yeah, absolutely. But um, look, we went through a ton of guys to, today. Like this was hugely informative. Uh, we hope you guys got all your trade targets out of the. If we missed anything, you know, let us know. Uh, you can always find this show on YouTube every week, typically on Tuesdays at nine 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 thirty Eastern time. But you know, as always, help us out. Drop a drop a subscribe the bell so you know when we go live uh follow us on twitter you can follow me on twitter at swagman 95 and uh jay where, th where can they find you you can find me at jay arsh man it's just the name just put it put the at in front of it and you can find me there but thank you guys for tuning into this episode of high floor football next week we will be back finishing up this series by breaking down our favorite wide receiver and tight end dynasty trade targets but again thank you guys and uh, we will see you on the flip side